0: yellow.
1: Oh, hi. Hi. Oh, hello. Hey, you. You, Hi uh, there.
0: You right there.
1: Hi there. Who there? You there. How do you do?
0: Hi there. Who there? You there.
1: You what? Remind me of the babe. What? I don't know. (laughs) Is that a thing? Yes, we've done it on this podcast before, but I was... I was stretching this time. Oh, okay. The Labyrinth song. Oh, When TJ and Laura yeah. were here, we did it. That's right. Yeah. All
2: right.
1: Those were good days. Did yep. you just whack into yep. I'm the... stuff around. ...mic me. with your coffee?
0: Yep. It's just I have so much energy. <laughs> I have, like, the energy of, like, four podcast hosts.
1: <laughs> Which, uh, objectively... <clears throat> Isn't very much energy. It's about <laughs> half the energy of a one, one normal person. Yeah, that's about right. Podcast hosts are just low energy by nature. I don't even know if that's true. No, I know it's we not. are. We are. Yeah, but there are many reasons for that.
0: <sighs> so, <sighs> how's it going?
1: It's all right. <laughs> Had a busy day.
0: I'm asking you this like I don't know, like we didn't just spend two yeah. hours together.
1: Had a busy day. Mm-hmm. It was long. The first hour felt like 10 minutes, which is pretty good.
2: About I like it vague. when it
1: goes fast. Yes. Ripping fat did. clouds. Ripping yep. fat
0: clouds. Cotton. <laughs> I really didn't want to have to buy this, but I did.
1: Yes. <clears throat> because the other one pooped out. Yeah. I'm glad you got a different brand because you <coughs> like, went through two. Yeah. In eh, too quickly.
0: I had a really nice experience. I went to Rocco's Vape Lounge, which Rocco's is Rocco's Vape
1: Lounge? Yeah.
0: It's a new wow. place. It's, uh, well, that it's Rocco. It's new to me anyway. Yeah. It's over uh, on 224, kind of near the, uh, near Blue Wolf Tavern and all that. Okay. Yeah. I liked it over there. The girl that helped me was like, you know, the thing that I like hate about going to vape jobs, vape jobs,
1: <laughs> vape jobs, vape jobs,
0: the thing I hate about going to vape shops is that you always feel like an idiot.
1: Yeah, like, you know, you're being taken.
0: Yeah, I felt pretty comfortable there, you know, talking to the woman that helped me, who's like, yeah, I don't want to stock anything that I don't actually think I feel comfortable sending someone out the door with. And I'm like, okay, the fact that you said that is nice. Yeah, that's a good baseline.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to shop anywhere where I felt like they were fine with swindling me. (laughs) Right. So that's kind of nice that she mentioned that. was pretty cool. Yeah, the one that you got looks pretty sweet.
0: Yep, I dig it.
1: It is not camo, so there's that.
0: Oh my god! Yeah, because I don't know if I mentioned it on the show, but when I had to buy the last one, the only one in the kind I wanted uh, that was there had this digital camo print on it. It is not great. I just felt like a douchebag. I don't know.
1: Well, it's not your thing. It's not my thing. Yeah, it's
0: not good for me. It was not good for you. It was not very good for me.
1: Um, But
0: this. This is
1: good for you (laughs) No it's like black and red And it's kind of sexy looking Yeah It's like nice
0: Yeah it looks sharp
1: Yeah And Um, you said it's (laughs) They come like highly tested for durability yeah
0: there was a the so i didn't look it up myself but i did see reference to it is is that apparently people have tried to beat this thing up a bit they run it over with a truck they dunk it in a pool they do all this stuff to it apparently it's pretty resilient
1: so you're saying it's the nokia
0: of vapes kind of it is big and blocky and Mm -hmm. heavy and a little bit a little bit awkward, but not exactly. It's not
1: too much more cumbersome than the one that you had before, though. Like, it's a similar shape and size. Yeah. Maybe slightly heavier, slightly wider, but overall pretty pretty darn similar.
0: Yeah. Um. Also, since we uh last did an episode, we were in a wedding. We were. That was pretty sweet. We were in Matt and Grace's wedding.
1: It was very fun. Yeah, it was fun. And I think it went super smoothly.
0: Yeah, I th- we had a really good time.
1: No major hiccups. I think it was a nice day. Relatively stress-free, as stress-free as a wedding could be for them. Yeah. um, Which I think they deserved a nice, happy day.
0: One thing I really appreciated was that when things did not go exactly as planned, and there were multiple times because, you know, people are human beings, Mm -hmm. they were super chill. They were not like, you know, like, you just never know how people are going to react when things don't go 100% on script.
1: I'm not surprised that they were super chill yeah. knowing them.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Knowing
1: Matt and Grace, I'm not surprised that when things came up they were just like, "All right." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever.
0: Um, you know, it was great. The,
1: the thing I kept saying is like once we were you know about to walk down the aisle and everything, I, w- I was like I turned around to the rest of the bridesmaids. I was like, "There are no emergencies from this point forward." We got the bride to the church. Yep. That's it. Yep. Like, if you trip going down the aisle, no big deal. Doesn't matter. The important part is they're getting married. Yeah. That's what this day is about. Yeah. So we got her to the church and he's at the church. (laughs) This is the important part. Yes. And we're just, from here on out, it's all gravy. Yeah. They're going to be married, and then everything else is fun the rest of the day. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, like if, we did the important thing. If everything
0: else goes completely to shit, they're married now. It's yeah. cool.
1: Like that's the point of the day. Yeah. And the rest is just the party to celebrate. Plus, Nothing we bad good. can happen. We looked good. We, we felt good. good. I even I wrote in my notes, wedding was nice. Dave was dapper.
0: Oh man. I've never felt more comfortable. You looked I couldn't very nice. get over it.
1: Um so Grace posted that picture of like us all walking. The photographer was really good. Yes, she was Um and the DJ was good too. They are they're like a husband and wife team. The husband did the DJing for us and yeah. she um did the photography. I think... I'm not entirely sure, but I think a lot of times he also does photography like they'll team up. OK, but because of the size of the wedding and it, she was a coworker of the bride and they're giving them a little bit of a deal, they sort of like split the duties a little bit. Yeah, but
0: I'm really irritated that I can't remember her name right now. Yeah, and I have her, card, have but her I card, but I don't, but it's it's a, it's elsewhere
1: in the house. Well, maybe after we take the break, we can find it and yeah, shout her name out because she did an excellent job. <clears throat> she had really like creative ideas for taking photos, a lot of which she'd be like, I know this doesn't feel like it looks good, I promise it's gonna look good. <laughs> and she would look at the photos and be like, Yeah, that's good yeah, as right. she was like taking them. So that was kind of nice to hear feedback as she was going, but. The picture that Grace posted already on her Facebook that I showed my mom Mm -hmm. and she really liked was the entire uh, wedding party, bride and groom in the middle, linked arms, everyone else linked arms on either side. Yeah. And just walking straight at the photographer and she just snapped a bunch of pictures and she encouraged us to like. Look around and look at each other and laugh and smile and talk and stuff like that. Yeah, and it came out looking really cute. Oh my god! Like I everyone So looks... many times. <laughs> I know. Well, it's weird because there's like a bunch of people arm in arm trying to walk at the same pace in yeah. on on uneven ground because it was like a grassy area. Yeah. And some of the girls were wearing heels. <laughs> I opted not to, luckily. Sure. Um. But we all look happy. Me and you happen to be looking at each other in that shot. And we looked super happy and cute.
0: Yeah, we did.
1: And uh, it was great. Yeah. The dress I got to wear was like a shorter red dress, like knee length red dress, which I will wear again. Mm -hmm. And gold shoes and gold jewelry. And one of the other, the maid of honor did my hair because that's what she does. She is a cosmetologist. So she did that and she did a bunch, almost everyone else's hair, including the bride's. Meanwhile, like five minutes before we have to be, we or like, we got to go to this wedding. Like the priest said, basically he said, don't come earlier than one, mm-hmm. one or a little bit after is fine. We were not out of the house at 135. And we were like, we got to go. Yeah. We got to go. Well, so, I,
0: I was like, I, I hope, because I asked uh, <laughs> uh, Francis, the lovely nun that we met. Yeah. And I was like, so how are the girls? Are they doing good? And she goes, I, I haven't seen them. And I went. Glub. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we are running a little behind. But um, <clears throat> it's like 135. And the maid of honor still has her hair in French braids from the day before. Yeah. And everyone's like, you have to do your own hair. Like, you have to do your own hair. She's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Yeah. Five minutes before we leave, she takes her hair out of braids. It looks beautiful. She does a couple extra curls with a curling iron. And I'm like... God, you weren't kidding, and I know that you know what you're doing, but (laughs) my hair would not do that. (laughs) I could not take my hair out of a French braid and have perfect waves and be like, I'm done.
0: Yeah, right.
1: It was not fair, but she looked great. Everyone looked great. We got there in time. We basically got there, and then five minutes later, Francis was like, it's go time. And we're like, (laughs) all right.
0: Yeah. Then we had a good time, and everything worked. It worked. They got super married.
1: They they got married so, the shit out of each they got other. So
0: damn married, it was crazy. <laughs> it like, was.
1: <laughs> I hope they had as good of a day as I feel like it went.
0: Yeah, I think they did. I do, I think they did.
1: I think it was a relatively stress free event, which is always what I hope for.
0: Yeah, I got to explain to Dave Craig what a chicken cordon bleu is.
1: Like, like chicken cordon bleu. Yeah,
0: because he was just like, "Oh, hey, it's chicken," and then he was eating it like there's ham inside of it oh. and i was like yeah so all right a little primer this is a cordon bleu. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun i don't know
1: how he'd never had a cordon blue uh, it's like pretty much a wedding staple
0: yeah i mean like they sell them frozen and stuff yeah like i remember eating them frozen as a kid i think yeah. they were i think they were like kind of like i don't know well they were good anyway i liked them yeah uh but that was fun
1: Food was good. Everything was good. They had a donut table instead of (coughs) the requisite cookie table.
0: I did not eat a donut.
1: (gasps) You heathen. Yeah, I know. Well, I ate two, so I ate yours. Nice. (laughs) There were a bunch of leftover donuts. We still have wedding cake upstairs that we took home because they were going on their honeymoon the next day, leaving very early, and we're like, we don't want this cake. People take this cake, so...
0: Last night on the Dude Cast, we launched into an extended line of questioning into whether things, for example, like whether uh, cereal is soup or whether oh, yeah. a wrap is a dumpling. We went into it pretty deep. And at some point, Chris got up, exasperated, went upstairs and grabbed a piece of cake and just sat down eating it. <laughs> it was just like, I just, I can't. I need cake.
1: That's the response. Yeah. That's the way you do it.
0: Um, but yeah, I guess that's mostly it. That's that's kind of what we've been doing.
1: It's been good. off a Still planning this fundraiser thing. hmm October 21st. hmm From noon to midnight. Yep. 7 p.m. bands are starting. West Side Bowl. I might
0: actually bowl that day, and I can be honest, I hate bowling because I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it either. I hate doing stuff that I'm that bad at. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe I'll try to arrange, like I'll take a little break and bowl with you <clears throat> at yeah. some point. Or
0: maybe I can get like a lane all the way at the end and be like, "All right, don't put anyone within four lanes of me."
1: You bowl with one of my derby friends. I'm like no one's gonna judge you. I
0: feel like I'm like not I, good
1: at bowling either. I
0: feel like I need, need to do the Ron Swanson and go in like sunglasses, so no one recognizes <laughs> me and <laughs> bowl by myself. Until I figure I know what I'm doing. Well, we
1: also have friends that might want to come. Maybe you we'll just like bowl with some of our friends.
0: Yeah. I just don't want anyone to, you know, see or judge me.
1: No, I don't think anyone's tr- going to. I'll wear a trench coat and sunglasses. We could put It'll the bumpers fine. up for you.
0: No. <laughs> Although I do like that big slide thing that they give to the kids. Where it's like, it's like just a big slidey thing. You just put the ball in it and drop oh, it. And it just rolls I've never seen you. one of
1: those. Um, one of my favorite things I've ever done while bowling is we I went with some friends and coworkers a while ago, yeah, and we got kind of frustrated with the fact that like none of us could bowl and After like one game, my wrists get super tired, and I am even worse, yeah. so we decided to do opposite bowling where you put the gutters up you yeah you put like the 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 bumpers the bumpers up, and you try to get the lowest score possible. Instead of trying to get the highest score possible.
0: interesting.
1: But you still have to throw the ball fast enough that it gets down all the way. Like, you don't want it to get stuck because you threw it too slow. Yeah, right. It's surprisingly <laughs> difficult. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun playing well, opposite bowling. Yeah, that's the
0: thing is, with the bumpers up, you're guaranteed to hit something. You're guaranteed to hit something.
1: Not always.
0: You have to hit If No.
1: If you play it just right, you can get... <laughs> A gutter ball with A bumpers, perfect up.
2: gutter ball. But
1: you have to, you have to ride the bumpers, and then the ball has to slip uh, off at the very end instead of hitting pins. And the key is for it to be going slowly enough to do that, but not so slowly that it gets stuck. You know,
0: I was with this until I pictured that. Now I'm like, it's kind of boring because it's just you're just rolling it right along that gutter. But
1: the thing is, that's the goal uh, the execution. Doesn't work that way I think I would
0: play one game of this
1: Oh, I've only ever played one game of it But it was really fun when I did
0: Yeah
1: Yeah, bowling
0: Does Westside Bowl still do Do they still do pizza? Like that, like Strikers mm-hmm. Pizza like they used to do?
1: Um, We ate some of their pizza Oh, that's right That green olive yeah, pizza right, that right, we right. tried Apparently they have lots of really good food That mm-hmm. pizza is the only thing I've tried And it was good But they have lots of stuff and they serve alcohol and, you know, drinks in general because they have a bar.
0: There's a guy at work that used to bring in like pizza sometimes (laughs) like for himself and he would like give me some pizza. And I was like, that's pretty cool. And he brought Strikers a few times. And I remember being like, this is this is pretty competitive pizza.
1: Uh, It seems like they're still pretty good. I'm
0: excited about that more than anything.
1: Jen, front of the podcast, Jen goes there all the time. She was just there yesterday. Right. So, and she goes on and on about how great it is. And I think they're doing a really good thing at Westside Bowl. They're really committed to, like, having local bands play all the time. Yeah. They have something going on there all the time. They have trivia nights. They have karaoke. Um, they're going to be busting their asses. They are. Yeah. They're really trying to make it work. And um, I think they're doing a really good job. Nice. And I I feel like I'm having this event there and I haven't even gone Right. I mean, I've been there physically, but I haven't gone while well. there's like stuff going on. So, I would really like to do that.
0: Well, we'll be there on the twenty first, and, and if you're listening, you should join us too. October twenty yeah. first, be a good time. Yeah, I'll put the
1: flyer up on our um page. Yeah, that's podcast a good Page that way, if anyone that listens would like to go, yeah, yeah, they can. Well, what it's, do you say? I think it's time. Is it time? It's time. Is it about that magical time? For that famous
0: game. That famous game. The game (laughs) that we insist is famous.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If we say it's famous, people might believe us. Yeah, maybe. Uh, And then it will be famous. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. What the heck
0: is the name of that game again, anyway? True and News. Yeah, that's it. You need to, me, to, me, to, me, to tell me Why you wouldn't happen to me It's
1: time for truth and
2: truth
0: do do everyone's playing, everyone's playing a famous game do 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 game do
2: do do
0: Merv Griffin production.
1: Yeah, the worst possible name.
0: <laughs> we don't know what we're doing.
1: Yes. Um, All that beautiful bean footage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um anyway, yeah. So you've got the quiz? Oh, I'm going to cut the I, I already cut the jingle in. Oh. I did it magically without you even seeing <gasps> because it hasn't actually happened yet. <laughs>
1: You're revealing the magic. Yes. You ready? I'm ready. DreamWorks breaks into streaming media with a sequel literally no one asked for. (laughs) B-Show.
0: Oh, my God. I hope that's the case. Number two. Okay.
1: Get ready to play. Oh, I can't do it. (laughs) Cardi B releasing game based on her life. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry Okur Well it's supposed to, You're supposed to Show the okur There you go That's a Cardi B thing
0: Is that her thing?
1: That's one yeah. of her things She has many Strange catchphrases She races. just goes okur Instead of saying okay She says okur That's That's so, weird I don't like that at all Get ready to play <laughs> Okur Cardi B Releasing <laughs> game Based on her life
0: That's That's Very probably true But all right
1: You ready? Yeah. For a recap. You gave me two. Oh, I did. (laughs) (laughs) Last one.
0: Wow, this quiz got a lot easier since I played it last. Last 50-50. Cruise
1: ship refunds passengers after 1,300 men took over and turned it into a giant burlesque show.
2: Wow. (laughs) Ooh,
0: okay. Yeah, let's hear those again. Recap.
1: Number one. DreamWorks breaks into streaming media with a sequel literally no one asked for, B-Show. Okay. Number two, get ready to play Oh, <laughs> Cardi B releasing game based on her life. I insist on trying. Oh. <laughs> I'm not very good at it. I'm not either. Number three, cruise ship refunds passengers after 1,300 men took over and turned it into a giant burlesque show.
0: Wow. Those are all really good really good ones
1: two of them i made up 20 minutes before the show
0: (laughs) i'm impressed um okay so here's my rationale here's what i'm gonna (laughs) say i don't think it's b show only because i don't think they could get jerry seinfeld to do it i don't think they do it without jerry seinfeld so i'm gonna strike that one uh cardi b thing seems very believable the only reason I think it's more believable than option C is because that sounds too close to the actual plot of an episode of Arrested Development to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with B. I'm going to guess B.
1: Cardi B is releasing a game.
0: I could see it. Nope. No, really? Nope. Is it C? It's C. <laughs> this happened? Yes. Did you say 1500 1300? That's a lot of people.
1: So so the headline kind of makes it sound a little different than what really happened, but of course. <laughs> um oh wait, hold on. You clickbaited me on you clickbaited me on this I news didn't quiz? write it. It's an actual headline.
0: Oh, they clickbaited me they on this They
1: clickbaited you. Um what happened was that people obviously signed up to go on this cruise ship and then a group of 1,300 men from, a, I think, an Indian tobacco company um, okay. went on for like kind of like a work conference kind of thing, but they ran amuck. They brought burlesque dancers on. They, like, took over everything. Basically, <laughs> the families who were trying to enjoy a nice cruise were like there was nowhere they could hide from them. Like, they were just everywhere. Oh, my God. Like, they normally there's, like, bingo nights, but they didn't even get to do bingo because, like, everyone was too wrapped up in, like, the burlesque and the cabaret shit going on. And, like...
0: Was everyone having a good time, though?
1: No. No. The families did not sign up for that. And it was, like, super disrupting to everything. And they were not... It's not like they were even well-behaved in just, like... There were a lot of them. It was like they were drunk assholes. And (laughs) someone who was interviewed was like, if you were walking to your room and you happened to be passing one of their rooms and the door was open, you were like not knowing what you're going to see inside that room. Oh, my God. So um, the cruise line refunded all of the other passengers
2: for having a
1: horrible trip. Also, just a bad idea to book that kind of thing. With like people who were on like a family trip or something like 1300 people is going to take over. And also shame on that company and they should be embarrassed.
0: Yeah, they should be embarrassed. They they behaved quite poorly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like if you're the higher ups of that company and you made that decision and expected your people to like be well behaved and they were that so bad that another business lost money because they had to refund other passengers.
2: Yeah.
1: Like, I would fire you.
0: It's like Mad I would Men fire shit. you. It's It yeah. sounds like antiquated, like, like, who would do this today? Yep. It's Wolf of Wall Street shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's probably what it actually is. It's just a bunch of really rich assholes that don't care who so else is on their boat.
1: Tobacco company. Yeah. If If you, you were to smoking. tell me, if you were to, like, Give me option of a few different like industries and be like, which of these gives a shit, like the least <laughs> shits about yeah. their fellow men, yeah, like about fellow humans? I'd be like, fucking tobacco company.
0: Yeah, right. No joke. That only makes sense on some level. Yeah. Well, you busted me.
1: I don't busted you.
0: But I would probably <laughs> definitely check out Okurr if it was an actual thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> she, I don't know what's gonna happen with her, but she just turned herself into the police. What? Cardi B just turned herself into the police over some event that happened in August. She like went to a bar or strip club or something, and she like destroyed a bunch of shit and like encouraged other people to destroy a bunch of shit and like assaulted people. And she so she turned herself in.
0: in She's probably August? gonna like
1: plea down. Yeah.
0: Well, at least she gave herself a month and a half to think about it. Yep. Yeah, it's, you know, it's only the right thing to do. Yeah. Are you going to turn yourself into the police immediately? So she is
1: not going to have a game based on her life, but she (laughs) is probably going to face some legal ramifications.
0: (laughs) Oh my God.
1: For a poor life choice.
0: I'm sure there's a, I'm sure there's a game about a pop star in jail, right?
1: I was going to (laughs) make this about like Kardashians make video game, but they already have like apps, app games and shit. Do they really? So Yeah. So why
0: do they, why do we, oh, okay. Like one of the <laughs> things just pisses me off. Like, like celebrities that are famous for basically nothing. Mm-hmm. And the Kardashians are kind of that. I mean, they gained reasons that we should care about them, I guess. But it didn't start that way.
1: Well it's just like Paris Hilton and all. It's people famous because they had money.
0: <sighs> that just drives me bonkers. Yeah. Well, anyway, <laughs> there's no more I can say about People that.
1: People getting famous because they have money. Yeah,
0: it's just annoying. But anyway, you got me. You stumped me. I, I I done did it. You done got you done busted me.
1: You know, busting makes me feel good. <laughs> busting makes me feel good.
0: <laughs> if anyone's listening and don't don't know what we're talking about, that's an actual line from the Ghostbusters theme yes. song. We're not just saying that to be creepy. <laughs>
1: I just realized I did it again, and I didn't come up with a middle segment. Oh, we, don't, so,
0: <laughs> we don't have a middle
1: no, segment. No, I was so wrapped up in the quiz that I forgot <laughs> to think of a middle segment. That's good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's good. I like this. It's good. It's good. Want to just Try
0: drift wa- of, meaninglessly into the ether here for a yeah, while? I
1: was trying to think of anything I could talk about.
0: Cool.
1: Um, I have something we can talk about. Okay. We've been watching... Um the I.t crowd yeah and it is I've continued watching it when we weren't together I, I watched more I've been not
0: watching it because I thought we were gonna watch it together
1: it's okay we have a standing agreement that's true we'll just re-watch those ones together okay um and I willingly will do that because it's a really good show we have been comparing it to it's like, the Office meets It's Always Sunny.
0: Yeah, that was Ben's comparison, and I, I think, think it's, it's very accurate. appropriate.
1: It's just like, it's kind of shitty people being shitty people, but they're hilarious. Yeah. But in an office setting.
0: Yeah. It's it's slightly different because it's like one of these uh, sort of like uh, multi-camera kind of like uh, like live studio audience sitcoms. Yeah. So it's a little different.
1: Yeah, um, it's not like they're looking at the camera or talking directly to the camera. Yeah, though there have been a couple of moments when I thought they were going
0: to. Well, they did actually. They did this this recurring joke of Noel Fielding's character having a flashback. Oh yeah, and sort of that's looking right. right at the camera, and then other characters behind him leaning into frame, like what's he looking at?
1: But they're not. It's not really breaking fourth wall because they weren't looking at the camera, acknowledging the camera. There, they were like. Not exactly. Looking off into space. Yeah, it just of, happened to be facing the camera. It's like
0: halfway breaking that wall. It was
1: flirting with yeah. <laughs> fourth wall quite a bit. Um, but It's um, a really good show. I love Noel Fielding. Yeah. In a very real way. Yes. <laughs> and we had started watching the Great British Baking Show, the most recent season on Netflix, which he is one of the hosts. And so I've just been wanting more Noel Fielding ever since then. And the other night when we had people over, we were just putting, like, Noel Fielding clips in, of, yeah. like, his stand-up and different shows, like, Mighty Boosh clips and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and also, shout-out to Jen, who knows the words to, like, every song that yeah. they make up in the Mighty they call Boosh. Them, they call them crimps. Crimps, yeah. Which is
0: a term that exists essentially only in that universe of that show, right?
1: Basically, a crimp is, like, <laughs> a 30-second ditty about something random but it's between two people and it's like making it up it's supposed to be like they're making it up on the fly
0: oh wait it's so it's supposed to be that they are improvising it yes i didn't realize that part. i, th- I that's
1: think even that's even weirder i think that's the joke because clearly they can't be because there's like dance moves and stuff to it but like yeah the joke is that it's Being made up on the fly.
0: We should be watching The Mighty Boosh.
1: We really need to watch The Mighty Boosh. It
0: it features one of my my favorite phrases of all time. I I can't remember exactly... I can't even remember exactly the characters' names, right? But I remember that basically the setup to the scene was that they were outside their shop and it had been vandalized and someone had written that one of them would bum you silly for five pounds or something like that. (laughs) I can't remember. And just the words bum you silly... Are so funny to me that when I think about them, I still laugh. <laughs>
1: That's good. Well, we bum do. you silly. We do have to watch that, <laughs> but yeah, we've been watching um, the IT Crowd, which Noel Fielding appears in. Mm-hmm. Not his—he's a recurring character, but he's not like a huge character in it. Yeah. He's, he's just, in it more than I thought he was, though. Yeah.
0: Um. He's he 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 had at least two episodes in the first season that he was featured in, and I didn't realize he pops that. up
1: every now and then. Yeah yeah he's not like a huge role, but he's a very interesting character
0: yeah he's good
1: uh it's It's a good show, I really like it, and it's a show I knew I would like everyone told me I would like, and mm-hmm. I just kept putting off watching it.
0: Well, there's so much shit on the list. Can I know. we talk about that <laughs> could that be part of our middle segment? The list is too big. there's yeah. too much shit to watch. And there it's is. it's impossible. It is actually it's it's a monolith, yeah. That I will never conquer. It's okay. <laughs> I know, I know it's okay. It's all right, but it drives me nuts.
1: Yeah, it can be a little overwhelming. Yeah, but this is one thing I can start to cross off of it. I think I'm in season three. Oh, okay. Series three. Excuse me. That's right. They call. Pardon them my s- English.
0: Series. Yeah. Um, I. While we're talking about TV stuff. Uh, I talked about it a little bit on the Dudecast, but I want to talk about it here. I finally got around to taking one of Chris's recommendations, and I watched the entire first season of True Detective on HBO.
1: I've been wanting to watch that.
0: It is good.
1: Who's in that again?
0: Uh, so it's uh, Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey as the two these two you know unlikely partners you know who are trying to solve like a, a woman's murder, right? Okay. In uh, in. Uh, Louisiana is it Louisiana is or Mississippi it, it's is Mississippi it,
1: is it all right all right all right
0: <laughs> oh it's better than all right all right all right <laughs> um it has some of my favorite lines I've ever heard in television
1: yeah
0: <laughs> uh some some incredible dialogue and Chris mentioned this uh and and I knew when he said it I, I told him I'll know it when I see it he said it features his very favorite six minute long tracking shot that he's ever seen uh in in like anything hmm so it is like an unbroken six minute sequence and it's so crazy. You can't even, it's like shocking that they got it without, because apparently they did it in one take. Hmm. Uh, it's this really big crazy scene where if they had screwed up, the setup to do it again would have been unbelievable. Wow. Um,
1: it's Wow. It's, <laughs>
0: wow. Um, it's a really good show. It's really, really good. It's dark too.
1: I'd like to watch it.
0: Yeah, it's it's heavy. I mean it's true crime. So it's like naturally it's gonna be like Is it true crime? Well, not true crime. <laughs> it's crime is what I should have said. Okay. So uh as a result of that, it's gonna deal with, you know, some like really heavy stuff. And this in particular deals with like the like abuse of like like women and children and stuff. So it's pretty dark. So lighthearted. Yeah, you know. It's a real popcorn <laughs> muncher. Yeah. Uh it's it's dark, but it's it's really good.
1: I mean If I wanted to watch something about women being abused, I'd just turn on the news.
0: Yeah.
1: But I do want to watch that.
0: Uh, Ben had never heard the term the reconnaissance, so I got to to, uh, talk to him about that for a minute. Yeah. The reconnaissance He didn't have a real comeback. Yeah.
1: Not even a comeback. He never went away. He just started doing more serious He started doing good stuff. Yeah.
0: You know, he just started doing things that weren't like, you know, like all cheese or like him in like some like weird goofy role. Like he started doing like real, how to lose drama. a guy
1: in 10 days. Is that him? I don't know. I think it was. I think I'm not was sure.
0: But the reconnaissance is real. Yep. And True Detective is peak reconnaissance.
1: I mean, <laughs> I mean, Woody Harrelson took him under his wing.
0: Now, Woody Harrelson is incredible in that show.
1: Woody Harrelson is incredible. Yeah. He's a really good actor. And he's another person who, like, I think he's been in a lot of really good stuff, but it's easy for us to just forget. Yeah. Because he's Woody Harrelson.
0: You kind of don't think of him when you're like, oh, who are my favorite actors? Yeah. But Woody Harrelson's pretty consistently good. Yeah. Um, I think
1: he's good at playing everything, too.
0: Yeah, right, he's, he's you know, he's obviously, you know, his long-running role in Cheers was great, you know, in a comedic role, and then turn around in, in you know, things like this, or, like, you know, Zombieland, which is kind of like him in a, like, a, kind of a and cheeky he, role, even, right?
1: Even in Hunger Games, like, he plays... Right. He plays a character that seems like it could be the butt of the joke, like, the yeah. light-hearted, like, the one bringing the laughs, but is really, like... Kind of a dark, important character. Yeah. So, he, I think he's really good. He brings a lot to his roles, and uh, I really really would like to watch that show.
0: If you want to watch it, I'll watch it with you again, because I'm going to watch it again anyway. All right. Uh, it's one where, like, um, I think if I had paid closer attention, I would have gotten even more out of it. I'll say that.
1: Okay. I will rewatch it with you. So, um... Not so bad for me forgetting about the middle (laughs) segment.
0: Whenever in doubt, we can always just talk about TV. Yes. Because we watch so damn much of it.
1: Yup. You know, for a while there, I wasn't really watching very much at all. Really? I was only watching what we would watch together. Because I was listening to a lot of podcasts, but I'm kind of caught up on the things I wanted to be caught up on. Yeah, right. I'm back in the TV game. <laughs>
0: well, we should be watching more HBO, I think, in general, because there's so much really good stuff there, uh, and we have you know HBO now. We should be using it.
1: Yeah. I have it. I logged in on your HBO on my phone now, so. Good. That means I can watch it more often.
0: Um, But I guess we should take a little burk-burk. Little burk-burk. Uh, and then when we come back, we'll come back with the main segment for the episode.
1: All right. Yeah, all right? All right. Yeah.
0: Stick all around. Right. <laughs> all right, stick around. We are back, and we are ready to talk about the main segment for this episode. Uh-huh. Um, do you want to introduce this, or would you like me to? Because this seems to be one of the ones that you found. And I'm yes. curious as to if you remember how you found it, or...
1: So, a little while ago, we had, like, a rush of, <coughs> like... We had, like, all of a sudden, ten topics we put on the... Yeah. On the list. And I think this is one that I added, because I just... I happened to see something on it. I don't think someone suggested this to us, but I could have just forgotten. I'm usually pretty good about putting their name next to the topic, but if you suggested this and I forgot, yell at me and I will (laughs) will make that correction. But I'm pretty sure I came across this one. And I remember when I came across it, I was like, how had I not heard about this? Because it's precisely the kind of thing I would hear about. Yeah. And I know it's called the Synanon call or Synanon. Yeah. And I know it's basically like um, one of the anonymous groups, like a Narcotics Anonymous kind of thing. Mm. But it quickly became, I think it gets batshit real quick, and it, it became pretty culty. Yeah. Um, it's bringing to mind like Narcanon, which is Scientology's, narcotics anonymous Mm, group right 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 but it's not i know it's different than that it's not the same as narcanon right but i'm wondering how how similar it kind of is
0: you have you have a good start on this um you're right it's it's definitely like a self-healthy group its name draws immediate comparisons to like Alcanon and things like that Mm -hmm. um I want to I guess I want to start on this by saying that where I think a lot of this is a story that I guess kind of has a happy ending in the sense that, like, this is a group that basically no longer operates. Okay, which is, I think, a very good thing, as you will find as we go on here. Um, And I and I feel like so many similar movements just find a way to keep going. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, even disgraced, you know, groups kind of like, you know, they they stumble and they fall apart they a bit. But they can be pretty
1: resilient. Yeah,
0: they tend to come back. Um, <clears throat> this is a story that basically did its business. They, this group did its damage and then was ultimately actually defeated, um, which is, I think, a really nice, <laughs> nice arc for something like this. Um. So yes, today we're going to talk about a movement that began as therapy, but ultimately ended up as sort of like a blunt instrument to to hurt people, I think. Um, it's uh It's uh, basically what what uh well here I'll just start this way. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> it has its beginnings in Toledo, Ohio, with the Ooh. birth of its founder, Charles Diedrich. Um, you stay in. Ohio long or long enough that, you know, not doesn't found it here. But I thought it was interesting to note. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> he was born in Toledo on March 22nd, 1913. Um, there is a limited amount of information about exactly what his childhood is like. And most of it seems to come primarily from a book, which was called So Fair a House by uh, Dr. Daniel Casriel, who as far as I could tell is like friendly to Synanon, you know, like wrote this book with some sort of permission or agreement, you mm-hmm. know, from them. Um, yeah, the information in his book is ultimately even cited in, uh, the obituary of Charles Diedrich, uh, down the line after he passes. So it kind of like a lot of the details in this book are the official, critical right? And <clears throat> they're kind of the official story of this guy's young life.
1: True story
0: which I don't want to talk too much about his backgrounds ex- background, except to say this, uh, which was that uh, he, his father died when he was four years old. Uh, his father was an alcoholic uh, and he died in an automobile accident. Right. Um, it, there's uh, someone else who is going to come up and become very prominent in this story. Uh, his name is Paul Morantz. Paul, uh, contends that basically the origins of what becomes Charles Diedrich's own personal alcoholism um, were that his mother remarried when when Charles was 12, right? And apparently he absolutely detested the guy that she married, and, you know, this made, like, home life terrible, and then by the time he's out of high school, he's an alcoholic. Um, <clears throat> He attended Notre Dame, uh, but failed out of it, um, he spent some time essentially crawling the beaches of Santa Monica, California. Um, by the time he was forty three, um, he was married and divorced twice.
2: Okay.
0: And he attributes all of this to his own alcoholism, right? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> you know, he, he he believes that at this point, you know, that's the that's his the the core of his problem. So naturally, he did what a lot of people have done, and he joined AA. Mm -hmm. now the thing is he thrives big time in aa not like just as like a participant but as a speaker Mm -hmm. so he's like a really sought after speaker at aa um and by his own suggestion this is the reason that he decides to create his own program Um, you know, he considers, I mean, he is uh, the, to read it, he seems like he's kind of like an AA celebrity. Like he will go to different meetings and speak and, you know.
1: Yeah. So, so he's kind of gaining notoriety among the AA set and he goes, oh wait, like, I'm, I'm good at this.
0: Yeah. Like this is a thing I can actually succeed at. Um, and as, as a root inspiration, uh, behind, uh, you know, the, the difference between his program and Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, he believes that addicts are not the same as other people and that more or less you can't treat them like adults, that that somehow they're like fundamentally stunted and you have to treat addicts like children.
1: Okay. I was initially on board with that statement <laughs> and then quickly not on board anymore. I mean, I, I do wholeheartedly believe that addiction yeah. is a disease. Yeah. And so, yes, in a broad sense, if you're going to say addicts aren't like other people, sure, they're not like people who don't have the disease of addiction. Right. But as soon as you start saying you need to treat them like children, I'm not, I'm not there. I think it's a
0: weird argument to make.
1: Because also like he's... I think it's a sad argument to <laughs> make. It just hurts me. Yeah. It's... To be like, well, because this person has this problem they can't be trusted to be like treated like a real human adult.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's very like, uh, it's like that root philosophy is like the kind of thing that trickles into the, all the rest of it
1: mm-hmm. is just
0: like fundamentally not respecting people.
1: That you like that statement of just saying that, they need to be treated like children. Immediately, my brain lit up and went, "Oh, I understand how this got very abusive."
0: <laughs> yeah, right. It's it's super easy to see where going from that to any number of things that involve not respecting people's wishes or like under like respecting them as people. Mm-hmm. Um, little side fact: there is some disagreement about the nature of the word synonym. Um, it is credited. Uh, it, by like the Wikipedia article says, it's a marriage of the word parts "sin," which means togetherness, and "anon," which is for the unknown, right?
1: Um, and we should say it's spelled S Y N A N O N.
0: Yeah. Um, but then the New York Times uh, obituary for him alleges that it was just basically some some drunk person trying to say either seminar or symposium and ended up blurting out synanon, and then he went, "That's great." Like like t- like taking some poorly constructed word and, and making it the His name own of the group. Thing. Yeah. I don't know which to believe really. Either one.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Either yeah. one could be it.
0: Either one's believable to me. Um
1: <clears throat> I, I feel like maybe the second one is what really happened and the first one is what they put out there officially yeah. as far as its origin.
0: So before it's synonym. Uh, he establishes it as a, like a really, like a small group setting. Like basically his own, like small group AA type meeting, right? Mm-hmm. And he calls it the Tender Loving Care Group. And in that sweet? Yeah. It's kind of, it's not really, but it's it's kind of a cuter name.
1: Do you see my skeptical face? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Um, but basically, eventually they call it Synanon, uh, which is, when it starts, like, more or less, it's like a two year rehab program.
1: Okay. Right.
0: Um, I think the way that it's structured kind of like it reminds me of like monk life or something like that. Um, okay. because the first stage is like, like you live in and it's mm-hmm. like a lot of housework and communal labor and like cold turkey quitting, but also like you withdraw from friends and family, which like red flag. Yeah. Um,
1: Like, on the one hand, that is a kind of thing that, like, a lot of rehab places will do, at least initially. Yeah. Um, But I I feel like if you're going to be successful at staying sober or cutting something out of your life... Yeah. You need to make changes, but they need to be sustainable changes. Mm -hmm. So... Making an extreme change like cutting out all your friends and family entirely yeah either you need to leave the group at some point and then like completely move and those people remain cut out if they're like if they're triggers for you and you're using or like you need to be reintroduced to them and have like a strategy for like how to cope with things that doesn't include relapsing
2: yeah and
1: I am skeptical that this group. <laughs> well, there is exactly. there
0: is a reentry plan okay. into society. Like that's the thing. Like this sort of like it. It doesn't sound that totally unreasonable at first because it's like first you do all that right, mm-hmm. and then there's a second stage where you do like limited external work outside the the community, but you basically come back. You still stay there, but like you're gradually reintroduced into the rest of the world.
1: More respond more like um. What's the word I'm looking for?
0: Uh, I don't know. Like, less restrictions. Giving more trust fewer
1: restrictions. You can move in and out a little more freely.
0: And then the third stage is, like, back to basically normal life, where it's like, you you know, you have a job, you live elsewhere, but you come back for meetings. You check in. Yeah, you check in, exactly. doesn't sound that unreasonable when you put it that way. It doesn't
1: seem too, too far off from what a lot of actual legitimate programs do.
0: Yeah, right. Um, so that's, like, how it starts. Um... This changes over time, which I'll get into. But that's the initial idea.
1: That's Um, the idea.
0: That's the idea. So here's another thing that's central to Cinnadon is they do this thing they call the game. Um, Is
1: it the game?
0: Well, we both lost the game, I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. And now, if you're listening...
1: You lost the game, too. You just
0: lost the game. Congratulations. (laughs) You're welcome. It's probably been years since you last lost the game, but you lost the game. I've been
1: losing the game a lot lately. People have been (laughs) sending... Posts around Facebook.
0: <clears throat> yeah, why is the game back? Are we that bored?
1: Uh, I don't think the game ever went away.
0: <laughs> no, it didn't. We just were winning for a while, and
1: mm-hmm. now we're losing. Now we're losing.
0: Cinnadon's game is not that game. The game, uh, as they call it, it's like a therapy exercise that Diedrich invented. Bearing in mind, he's not a qualified... He's not a anything. therapist. Yeah, he's not a therapist. He has no qualifications.
1: He is an alcoholic who... Is good at going to AA meetings. Yeah, right. And decides to make his own group. So
0: what it is is like a group therapy exercise where, like, basically there's one person who is the subject of the game, and everyone is just encouraged to criticize and yell and like, like point out everything bad about them loudly and frequently. Like, like it's like it's just like people cutting you down in like a big circle.
1: I can't see why that would be beneficial to anybody.
0: I don't either, except of course for the purpose of breaking people down, right? Yeah.
1: And that's not like No. that's not good therapy.
0: It's the kind of like pseudo-scientific BS where it's like someone could be like, "Yes, we must completely break you down to make you to make you again, to make you better
1: and blah so blah." So the the underwriting theory to everything like that to every group that thinks like you break people down to rebuild them yeah or we it's the same thing scientology does is like we need to make you basically relive these really horrible events that happen to you until you don't have feelings about them anymore yeah it always comes back to until you don't feel it anymore or until we've rewritten what you feel about it. As if which feelings is extreme, are inherently bad somehow. Yeah, which is extreme gaslighting. And it, it it's like exactly the point you just made of like like emotions are bad. Yeah. And emotions aren't like normal.
0: It's a weird perspective. And also like now that we're talking about it, it's also like a very male perspective.
1: Yeah, It's this thing of
0: like a whole bunch of men not being in touch with any of their feelings. And so to make you better, you just find a way to not have feelings.
1: Our society in general has this thing about like emotions and expressing them. And we're very stunted. Oh, yeah. Because e- even just like if you're a woman in the workplace and you express any kind of emotion like, oh, that time of that month. Oh, she's... <laughs> She can't be a good leader. She's going to be too emotional. And it's like, why do you think emotions are bad? Or like, if you are an emotional person, you're going to be a bad leader. If anything, it's going to give you more of a perspective. If you feel a lot of emotions and can manage them and have coping mechanisms, that's not a bad thing.
0: It's crazy because this just came up in these Supreme Court hearings where like, Uh like Judge Brett Kavanaugh lost his friggin' shit. In mm-hmm. front of the Senate panel, and screamed and yelled and got red in the face and cried, and you didn't hear a single person go, "Well, okay." <laughs> All the people who initially supported him, none of them were like, "Whoa, maybe, uh, maybe uh, a little too emotional for that." Mm. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, ooh, back there up on the feelings. There still people who
1: think he should. Yeah. Be in the running.
0: Yeah, but if, but again, if a, if a woman, woman was to,
1: yeah, if a woman was to close. do that,
0: there would be it would immediately be like, "Whoa, she's unhinged," you know. Yeah
1: like and I, and no one God. I'm sorry but Hillary Clinton blinks yeah. and people are like whoa <laughs> slow down there lady mm. maybe, is it that time of the month
0: <laughs> maybe dial back the resting bitch face huh
1: it's uh, women just can't do anything right no. in this society <laughs> no matter what you do but it's
0: <laughs> it's a bit of a tangent but I think it's relevant here
1: yeah it it's just this undercurrent this feeling that you have in our society for some reason that like we have to beat the emotions out of people or like you're better off if you're not feeling things yeah or like your your emotions are too much for other people or like this idea of being too much for other people Mm -hmm. like it drives me crazy as a person who's i'm not a super over-the-top emotional person no you're really not like i'm I have them, though. Ha ha ha. ha, ha I have ha. feelings. I am a real person. <laughs> ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. I do have feelings, I swear. <laughs> I am not a robot.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's like a fundamental principle to so many of these cults. It's like, break the feelings out of you.
1: Really so what it comes down to is it's a manipulation tactic. And if you can get someone to allow you to rewrite their reality and rewrite how they feel about it. You have a huge amount of control over them. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's just extreme gaslighting.
0: Yeah. Um, so here's where the story for me gets really interesting. Okay. Um, right. the story of synod for me is all about Paul Morantz, who I mentioned earlier.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, he, uh, as an outsider is the real view in for us into what it's, what this movement is all about. Right. So um, I'm
1: assuming he was, like, a member?
0: No. Oh. Um, Paul Morantz, he's a guy who, he was basically a, a journalist and the later a law graduate. Oh, okay. Um, he, his, his personal start was that in 1974, uh, he took on a case on behalf of a bunch of Skid Row addicts who, um, basically, they were part of, like, a a scam where they were being picked up against their will. And taken to like rehabilitation facilities and like essentially drugged up and made docile, and their social security checks were confiscated, and the Ooh. state was like th- 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 these places were billing Medicare for treatment that these people didn't need and all this stuff. Mm. So <clears throat> he makes his sort of professional debut as an attorney representing these people and actually like you know getting a uh, a settlement for the victims of this, and it, like kind of becomes. He gets some notoriety for it. So,
1: who was it doing this to them? Was it was it
0: No, 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 no. This this is unrelated to Sinanon. This is like, so I wasn't wasn't totally clear if the people there, if it was like organized crime or if it was specifically like the the care facilities themselves. It's it's some combination of that. It's like people doing this on behalf of the the rehabilitative facility, so that they could then bill the 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 government for the services. They're like money
1: laundering using Medicare.
0: Kind of, yeah. Um,
1: Which, that Medicare fraud, you don't want to mess with that.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah?
1: Yeah, I just had like a, every year they refresh our memories with these, you know, e-learnings about fraud and stuff like that. We have to okay go through them and say that we know not to fraudulently bill Medicare. <laughs> okay. But um, yeah, it's like a, it's a bad deal. You don't want to lose your ability to legally bill medicare for your patients you lose a lot of revenue that way you won't be able to help a lot of people
0: right that makes sense because it's yeah it's a pretty big sort of like uh yeah
1: yeah it's a a large amount of the population especially in what i do in pharmacy it's a lot of our patients are on medicare and Mm -hmm. if you mess up and you're like charging people for stuff that they don't need or you shouldn't be charging them for yeah or things like that then you can really Really mess up and, and lose your ability to help those people and, and to uh, provide services for people on Medicare.
0: Yeah. No bueno. No bueno. Um, so here's how Paul Morant gets involved in Cynodon. Uh, a few years later, a woman that is referred to in the article I read, uh, by the way, there's a Gizmodo piece that provided a lot of this information uh, called The Man Who Fought the Cynodon Cult and Won. Ooh. Really I might great resource. Read that. Really great resource. A fairly lengthy article, worth the read. Um, a woman that they refer to as Terry uh, is, uh, basically she willingly joins Synanon, um, accepting all of its caveats and disconnections and all that stuff in hopes of getting clean, right? Now her husband comes looking for her and he can't reach her, and they deny him access to her, and then they tell him that she doesn't want to see him, and they bust her to another compound eventually, and he didn't know where all the while they're also telling her that he doesn't want to see her mm. so pretty nasty you know
1: don't separate <clears throat> loved ones
0: yeah it's you know it's it's one thing if like again like you go into a clinic and it's like okay i'm like basically in detox for a week or two or something like that
1: yeah it's yeah it's one thing if that's an understood agreement and you're like hey not gonna be able to like reach out to you too much while I'm doing this. Yeah, but it's an entirely different thing to lie to both parties and manipulate them and and deny them contact. That's it's the a big mind thing. fuck. That's yeah. not okay.
0: That's a big thing. Is deceit yeah. a lot of deceit involved? Um, so basically, Terry's husband goes looking for anyone that can find her. Um, and it just so happened that this guy knows Paul Morantz's neighbor, and the neighbor puts a word into Paul. Okay. Uh, the husband tells. Uh, Morant's on the phone, you know, um, the story and he's crying to him on the phone and Paul doesn't know how he's going to do it, but he tells him we're going to get her back. And a few he's pa- got chills. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, so he calls around Paul Morantz. I, I got to say it now. He's the man. You're Remember
1: gonna, that article I talked about a while ago about this guy who took on like fraudulent debt collector yeah. kind of thing? This is who he reminds me of. Just like this absolute badass who's like, we're going to fucking do something about this.
0: Paul Morantz is like a hero. By the time this is over, you will you will I already know the love full him. entirety of why. Um, But basically, he calls around to a few government agencies trying to get information on Cynodon and, and like, how they work and, you know, who he can can get in touch with and all that. He is shocked to find not only do they have no authorization to act as a health or rehab facility, um, but that also the health department had tried to investigate them. And then Cynodon was just basically like, no. And they were like, (laughs) all right. (laughs) Like, they were completely unable to. Yeah, I know. Like. The complete impotence of our regulatory bodies.
2: What? I, <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> really, this happened. They like so tried to investigate that. them, and they were just like, nah, no.
1: Can you imagine any other group? That, can no. you just imagine like uh, being at your work in <laughs> the health, whatever, what did you call them?
0: What was the health department here in this case? In the California? health department
1: being like, "Oh, hey, we need to come like check you out, make sure everything's on the up and up." And your business being like, "Nope." Yeah, and then they're
0: like, "Well, okay." Like,
1: well, all right
0: then, <laughs> just go away. I think part of the reason for this is that you know it's like there's already a whole bunch of people trying to treat addiction, and I guess they kind of shrug their shoulders and go, "Well, how bad could it get?" Yeah, how bad could it be?
1: Like, well, I mean, they're trying to do something good, so yeah. I guess we'll just, like... Which is a them.
0: really bad call.
1: <laughs> In this case, it seems like, yeah, maybe maybe don't let that go. Uh,
0: so, uh, he eventually manages to, by calling the right people and talking to the right people, he actually manages to track this woman down.
1: Also, I just want to point out, if you're the health department... And you're going to an organization that's supposed to be helping people. And you say, hey, we need to come in and check on you. And the, their answer is, nope. Your red flag should be going off. And your yeah. immediate next question in your head should be, why?
0: Yeah, like, why not?
1: Why is that your response? Why are you not even open to this? They
0: just resisted them. It's so weird to me. I can't imagine it happening anywhere else.
1: I don't like to be told no. <laughs> If I was the health department, I'd be like, "Fuck you, we're coming."
0: <laughs> so Paul actually finds this woman, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. He actually tracks down what facility she ends up being shipped to, and
1: it's a good journalist
0: and works out an agreement where he's where she they'll let her go,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but they want sort of an understanding. They want a contract about what that's going to look like and all because obviously, you know, like there's things that she knows that they don't want. You know, they don't want it to become a big thing. Um, obviously, like
1: they want an NDR,
0: uh, an NDA, a like non disclosure, NDA,
1: NDA. Yeah, I don't you, know what well, NDR is.
0: You were doing a combination of NDA and DNR, like a <laughs> yes. do not resuscitate, uh,
1: yeah. a non disclosure resuscitate. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's close. I got two out of three letters, yeah, right? Hey, that's a
0: that's. Is that a passing grade? That's a 66? I think that's failing. I don't know. Doesn't matter.
1: Hey, that's a Youngstown B+.
0: (laughs) So, basically, he signs a contract. He drafts up a contract, which um, basically releases them of all liability for releasing her. And they sign it. And he gets her. And they don't realize that he did not release them for liability for accepting her or for their treatment of her. So he still gets to sue him.
1: Okay. He clever.
0: He, when he tells his story. He wrote in a loophole. Yeah. He wrote a clever little, yet yeah, they're not liable for releasing her, but they're absolutely liable for their acceptance of her and their treatment of her. So he, he's very proud of himself. did
1: get past them? They're
0: dumb. That's the real thing. They're dumb. <laughs> and this, this kind of comes up more than once that they're dumb. Um, so. He, he loves this. When he tells a story, he still chuckles at it. It's like a pride point for him.
1: Also, like, yeah, he was a lawyer.
0: Yeah, right. So, so that he, it so makes so he sense. knows what Who he's He would doing. know what to do. He ends up successfully suing them for 300000 in damages in what really pisses Diedrich off big time.
1: Diedrich is the
0: oh, the, the, runner, owner, the runner guy. Yeah, the guy that runs Synodon. Um, They were... Ultimately, happy to let her go because at this time they were not really interested in treating people anymore.
2: Mm-hmm. It, it was
0: just that the lawsuit thing really pissed them off. But at this point, they're really just looking for like genuine devotees. Okay.
1: In um, what, focus what time shifting. period is this again?
0: Um, goodness. With,
1: with Terry? And... It's in the
0: late 70s. Okay. It's in the late 70s. Uh, I, I lost the year here.
1: It's okay. I just wanted a general idea. I think it was
0: like 78.
1: General idea?
0: Yeah. Um, so, uh, here's he, he, this is a point where it's good to note that Synanon had their own internal radio communique system. Okay. They basically had like wire conversations within the organization, much of which was recorded. Uh, this comes up later, but it's good to know that it exists now. Okay Because they're really furious with Paul Obviously Mm -hmm. And uh, they're talking about it quite a bit There's a recording of them A lot of this is being recorded (laughs) Um,
1: Just, okay Just just a hint Mm Mm-hmm if you're a nefarious organization, yeah, if, yeah. maybe don't record all of your conversations. Yeah, like if you're a
0: super villain,
1: baby, baby, please. Baby, what are you please. doing? What are you doing? That's evidence,
0: darling. What are you thinking? Don't be stupid, <laughs> baby.
1: Oh, it cracks me up. They really <laughs> are stupid.
0: They're pretty stupid. Um, this is all like this like dumb vanity shit, like. This is basically Chuck Diedrich being like like high on being in charge.
1: An L. Ron Hubbard kind of thing. Like he just wanted everything he did to be recorded and exalted.
0: It's just, I think it's control. They don't really give a lot of motive for this in anything that I read for why they recorded things. But I think it's about, okay, so also the thing about the game. Remember the game. So the game is breaking people down and all that. But also they use that information like, they would even, like, Chuck Diedrich would subject himself to the game and then mm. use that information to, like, improve the way he, you know, impressed himself on others or improve the program or all that. So Yeah,
1: which, which is fine when you're, like, a psychopath and you don't, <laughs> like, feel things the way other people feel things. Yeah. But you're subjecting other people who feel emotions in a right. different yeah. way than you yeah. to this.
0: Um. I think all of this is just about information gathering, you know, and, like, I, I, I think I think a lot of it is control, too, as far as recording all this stuff.
1: I'm seeing so many similarities to Scientology. Yep. So many. Maybe doing things in a slightly different <coughs> way, but, like, y- gathering information, using it against people, separating them from their family and loved ones. Yeah. Ugh.
0: So it comes to Paul Morantz's attention that he's really poked the bear. Mm-hmm. But more or less, he dismisses it as just, oh, look how silly this is. Look how angry Mm -hmm. they are, right? He is wrong to do this. By 1978, the FBI had estimated that Synodon had $300,000 worth of weapons. Um, There were children that were sent there by courts as part of, like, juvie therapy stuff. Oh. Oh, Tons of those kids would run away and tell stories, uh, like abuse stories, and then they would be sent back
1: oh. because the
0: court system is fucking okay. broken.
1: Okay, here's the thing. Yeah. United States, if you're going to have this group be a group that you you court mandate people attend, mm-hmm. they absolutely have to comply with the health department. Right. Apps of fucking But They lootly. weren't doing that.
0: They weren't doing that. Like,
1: what the hell? I know. This is what over. Ugh. Lately, I've just been reading and hearing all kinds of stories of where oversight has gone wrong and just totally broken down, and we get horrible things like this.
2: Mm-hmm. It
0: just
1: kills me. I know.
0: It's it's well, it's like this like injustice outrage thing. It's just like yeah, it, I, you can't read this without getting a little upset. Yeah. Um, to make things worse, local deputies and police in the Santa Monica area are Synanon members and helped enable this stuff, like helped enable kids getting sent there and all of that. (sighs) Um, one man in particular, his name is Phil Ritter. He tried to remove his daughter from the system, uh, and he was very nearly murdered in his driveway for doing so. Jeez. Um, and nobody was ever charged, despite the fact that everyone was pretty sure exactly who he pissed off and what happened. Yeah um
1: so how was he almost killed like was it a hit kind of yeah, a situation
0: like they attempted to kill him in his driveway and they failed again they're <sighs> stupid They're
1: not very good
0: but you're about to see how stupid they are actually
1: okay. because
0: again paul Morantz is on their shit list right
1: yeah. um and uh, he's he's like laughed them off
0: he's laughed them off more or less he's like okay these guys are just crazy whatever
1: well, he's like, they were dumb enough to fall for that contract. They're yes. harmless. Um,
0: he basically, okay, having, let me say this. Uh, at this point, he had not only won the suit against them, but was talking to everyone who would listen, including the Point Reyes Light, which is a weekly local newspaper, about the activities of mm-hmm. Uh They have not forgotten him. And on October 10th of 1978, what's today's date?
1: Today is October 3rd. Oh, okay. So, so, like,
0: basically <laughs> one week away from the anniversary yeah. of this event. Um, uh, on October 10th, he was at home. He went to his mailbox to reach in uh, to get his mail, and he found what he thought was a package. It was, in fact, a rattlesnake with its rattle removed in his mailbox.
1: Jesus. It reaches in, and
0: he's bit. Oh, no.
1: He gets no. bit by
0: a very venomous rattlesnake.
1: Who removes the rattle That's insane <laughs>
0: Yeah it's insane in multiple ways He survives
1: I've never heard of anyone removing a rattlesnake's rattle
0: Well you know Rattler Yeah right no they don't do that uh, That's a thing you do to turn an animal into a weapon A silent weapon Yeah Um, Two Sinanon men place the rattlesnake in his mailbox as revenge Obviously um, it, Marantz's book on Sinanon that he writes later he dedicates to Chuck Diedrich as a thank you <laughs> for Diedrich being a cheap bastard, <laughs> because he says a proper hitman and a, he's right would have been unstoppable. Like, there's nothing you can do if, there's, yeah. if someone. If proper hitman has a contract on you, you will die. Um,
1: do you, what is the name of the book that he writes? Do you have that? I don't
0: have it handy. Uh, I can I can find that later. I can even uh, I can make it a note on the episode, but I don't have that right here. Um, but.
1: I'm slowly building a library of things we've (laughs) talked about, and I would like to add that to it.
0: I would like to read his book, too. Um, But basically, these two members of what they call the Imperial Marines internally in Synodon, which right there, like, that's a... Yeah. I mean, like, all this crazy stuff you associate with big cults, that's just par for the course. That's a tick in the box. The Imperial Marines. What's it
1: called in Scientology, though?
0: Oh, like the uh, the bridge people or whatever. The, uh, the
1: bridge. Um,
0: yeah, you know. Um, shit. All those jack offs in, in
1: Navy uniforms. <laughs> Navy uniforms. Yeah.
0: Cool. They're escaped, The name's escaping me, too. But we both know what we're talking about.
1: It's really great because it's a podcast. Yeah, so.
0: sure. <laughs> <laughs> so fuck you. Look it up yourself. Sea Org. That's it. Sea Org. Sea
1: Organization.
0: Um, so.
1: Which sounds a lot less Scary than Imperial Imperial Marines. Marines. Yeah. But similar idea as far as like, um, like Marines, Sea Org, like Navy ties and.
0: Sure. It's military. Yeah. The Sea Org is essentially military, even though it's not. It's it's a military presentation.
1: Well. um, It's naval
0: stuff. It's a Navy.
1: Yeah. He was, Elrond was obsessed with the Navy since he was in the Navy.
0: So Morantz later files a civil suit against Chuck Diedrich, uh, who did not do jail time for this plot. Uh, In the process of this, he comes into the possession of the wire recordings made by Diedrich, uh, a great amount of which centered around Paul himself. Um, It becomes obvious exactly how petty and small and obsessed Chuck Diedrich was with Paul Morantz, which is really funny, I guess. It's like it seems kind of... Like, what's $300,000 in a little bad publicity if you're trying to grow, like, a cult empire?
1: He got one over on him. He
0: got one over. It's just pride. He
1: tricked him. Yes. It's pride. And I am, I try not to, like, throw labels around when I don't know a person. But this guy smacks, Dietrich smacks of someone who is a psychopath or sociopath. Like, he seems to really like power and really not be able to stand it. When yeah. someone tricks them and really not understand his own limitations. Because if this group is not that smart, that means he is not that smart. <laughs> yeah, right. Like it all comes back to him. And if they're making so many mistakes and doing really dumb shit. Yeah. He is the root of that. Yeah. So he's not even very good at this, but he thinks he's the best. And so it pisses him off. Yeah.
0: I think when so too. someone
1: gets one over on him,
0: I think so too. Um, I think it's the a root of why this follows me you of know, this obsession followed and eventually why the hit happened. Um,
2: yeah.
0: So next phase for Synanon, <laughs> um, uh, basically they attempted to move to Washington DC. They wanted to move their headquarters to DC. This is basically, where
1: were they headquartered again? So they were
0: in, they were in California. They okay. were in like the, um, uh, Oh goodness. Like, uh, I think the Santa Monica area. Um,
1: California is a good place for a group like this it's more or start. less it makes sense
0: yeah a lot of this stuff seems to you know I, I don't know whatever a lot of things There's like this originate in California largely due to lot. people's propensity for belief
1: well I also think. a lot of drug issues in California get. Mm. Like I've known several people from California that like they get into drugs young mm. like real young so and and not even just like people starting young but Depending on where you're at in California, it's just like an ongoing problem throughout any age. So it makes sense for me for a group like this. Yeah. To kind of.
0: It's also like
1: the. You know, take advantage of a vulnerable population.
0: It develops between the 60s and the 70s. Yeah. It's kind of like a time where people are trying out a whole lot of things they're not quite totally sure about, but that sound good enough. Yeah. You know? but now, you know, moving from California to D.C., you're talking about a totally different town. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and a totally different mindset.
1: Yeah. Let's move <clears> to <throat> where the government lives. Yeah, I know. Um, it seems like a bad idea. It turns out that it was.
0: Um, because what happens is they build, they get a lease in a building in D.C. They try to bully the other tenants out of the building. And they catch attention of the local news. Um it's also important to remember this is post-Nixon era. So the press is kind of, are you giving
1: me the De Niro face right <laughs> <Yes>. now? <laughs> give the, yeah. Great for the psych, psych gag. podcast.
0: <laughs> uh, doing,
1: little, doing the De
2: Niro. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: so, yeah, basically, they, this is post-Nixon era. Reporters are super energized.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: they just did a pretty great job of like, affecting the world. They just
1: want a scandal. They're like, you just give us a little bit of a scandal. We're yeah. going to bust it open.
0: And Synanon gives get, gets some attention for this, uh, <laughs> for basically bullying people and kind of, you know, you know like uh, not traditional behavior. Um, uh, under pressure from some reporters who were it's
1: pushing down on me.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> Diedrich freaks out. Uh He freaks out, he slugs a reporter at one point Um, He, after, it's basically being followed around and being pressured and being asked questions He slugs a reporter, and then he literally flees the country He goes to Italy to avoid charges for a while In Italy, Chuck Diedrich picks up the bottle again
1: Mm.
2: For
0: the first time in a long time Or maybe not, who knows, maybe he was drunk the whole time I, you know.
1: <laughs> Maybe <laughs> he was drunk <laughs> Well you just don't know All of this is like a drunken fever dream
0: <laughs> He really could have just been like Letting the liquor do the thinking like Mr. Leahy Just like super <laughs> hammered the whole time um, Who knows So Basically under the pressure And the, the new stuff and him leaving the country And all that, they, they realize they're going to have to leave D.C. They're not going to be able to stick around there
1: um, you think
0: right but of course they can't even be gracious about that because they're dumb <laughs> and i keep saying they're dumb because they're dumb <laughs> um <laughs> uh diedrich uh, wasn't satisfied with this and wanted his deposit back from the dc landlord
1: <laughs> right just leave well enough alone he's like dude, every he's leave. like every other
0: bird isn't he he's just like you know oh. uh, woman deposit God,
1: <laughs> this is the Precise kind of arrogance that just makes me want to flip a table and ruin someone's life.
0: (laughs) So here's the deal. During the lawsuit, they think that they, they think Synodon thinks they they got an advantage here. They've got all these recordings of different things at the time.
1: What lawsuit is this?
0: This is over the deposit. There's There's a lawsuit over the deposit. Now, Synodon members have all this recording that they've done internal recordings that they think can be used as evidence. And they heavily edit it. In such a way
2: mm-hmm. That they
0: think that this Can work as evidence In their favor To getting their lease back Or their deposit back Or whatever um,
1: It's not That's not evidence so.
0: Well Here's the thing What they did release And make available You know For the for the case Still had a lot of Relevant info on it Which was ultimately Used to prove That Diedrich knew Of all kinds of Criminal activities Related to Related to harassment And threatening people Including Paul Morantz mm-hmm. um, This is ultimately The first thread pulled in unraveling synodon. Um the way to the way to trace this is a big nonprofit, which is what they were they were a non nonprofit they were like mm-hmm. registered nonprofit um, now considered a borderline terrorist organization as a result of this ruling uh, in their in their case to get their deposit back um, this ruling gets cited in every following case against Sinon and all this evidence ends up being like used against them in the future um eventually public shaming of companies that there were and there were big companies donating to synodon mm-hmm. which i didn't even mention earlier and i probably should have mentioned this sooner but they had corporate sponsorships because they're like a treatment group, yeah. right um, they
1: they marketed themselves well
0: yeah so big companies i can't remember the the i know one of the companies was heinz which is interesting to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah they were they were giving them money um
1: and lots of ketchup
0: and free ketchup, and that's really the best reason to get into a drug rehab facility is for the free they, ketchup. They got
1: the good ketchup.
0: Yeah, they got that. You good don't
1: <laughs> you don't want to go to like, you don't want to go Narcanon. They don't have the good ketchup there.
0: <laughs> you want that good ketchup.
1: You want that good ketchup, though.
0: Um, so more or less, these big companies God, we're assholes. I, we really are. <laughs> these big companies stop donating to Synanon. Um, they you know because they're exposed to be fraudulent all this basically continues over a period of years, uh, until eventually in 1991, they're out of money completely. It's just dead broke. Mm -hmm. Um, Paul Morantz, uh, has been, you know, sort of watching this happen from a distance. I don't know that he was involved in any further, you know, action against them other than of course, the civil suit against Diedrich himself, right. Mm -hmm. In, In the attempted murder, you know, the civil suit. Um, so
1: I'm just wondering why he didn't try a criminal suit against him. They had those tapes and everything like. All this
0: comes up later in. Okay. And I'm not certain what specific evidence is on the tapes about their, about the activities, you know, and, and what they intended to do to Palmer ants. Mm-hmm. Like it becomes obvious how obsessed they were with him, but I'm not sure that there was enough where they could actually build like a criminal case out of it. Okay. Um. So, basically, in 1991, when the organization officially ceases to exist and runs out of money, and their last facility is seized by investigators uh, in... This is... Their last location was in Visalia, California. Right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. And investigators invited him to go and see, as they kind of, like, close the place down for good. And he does. Um, He... Still, he took a souvenir with them.
1: So this is Paul. He Paul Morantz. He he goes and sees the last um, facility as it's being shut down.
0: He goes to see the last facility as it's shut down, and he takes a souvenir, which he still has in his home. It's a ceramic pot. Uh, On the bottom of it has the stamp, Cinnanon Ceramics. I guess they did ceramics. I don't know. Uh, But he, he still has that as a little memento. Um. I said earlier, Paul Morantz is my new hero. Mm-hmm. He really, he really is. This dude. Okay, so he survives a rattlesnake attack and keeps going, and prosecutes not only Sinanon uh, and uh, Chuck Diedrich, but lots of other groups after this. And I want to read you a short list of the people that he has gone after in the intervening years. Um, <clears throat> he fought Werner Erhard, who we talked about in episode eighteen. The guy who founded Landmark Forum.
1: Oh, okay. Uh,
0: or EST, which became Landmark Forum. Uh-huh. He went after the Center for Feeling Therapy, which was basically people hitting each other as medicine. Okay. Weird little cult. a fight club. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Unification Church, the Moonies.
1: Okay. Uh, the, I love this guy.
0: I know. He went after the Scientologists. Yes. And also the Rajneeshies. Uh, which we he's done everything we, he's, he's got like a resume to brag about um, I wrote I think he's an honorary godfather of the goose chase podcast at this point yes Um. there's just so much that he seems can we to have get done shirts so with his
1: face and say Paul Morant is my homeboy <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right um, so I want to refer back to one more thing from the Gizmodo article which, again, is called The Man Who Fought the Synanon Cult and Won.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, it's for this final detail, which I thought was really, um, really kind of amazing. He remembers his final visit to the law offices where he'd fought so many of these battles. You know, as like uh, as he retired, you know, he went back to the office one last time and sat outside uh, on a stone bench and reflected. And he remembers crying um, on this last visit. And he... Describes it as, I cried for myself and I cried for my staff, but most of all, I cried because I knew that there would never be a Camelot, a Shangri-La, or a Utopia. And <clears throat> um, I think that's I think that's the thing I like the most about Paul Morantz is I get the impression that all of this he did out of a real conviction. Hmm.
1: Um, well, you don't. You don't keep going after having your life threatened if you are not going off of, like, full conviction. Yeah. Like, there there are two types of people to boil it down. There are the people that, if something like that happened to them and their life was threatened, they'd be like, okay, too much for me. Got the point. Whatever. Let someone else handle it. And there are the people that go, fuck you. <laughs> no, you don't get to do that. Yeah. And, um... Uh, He's definitely the latter, and I really, I really admire people who have that chutzpah.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that was ultimately, that's the conclusion of this story as I, as I want to wrap it up more or less is to say that, yeah, he, like, he put himself on the line in a big way more than once to fight, you know, against organizations that promise people the world and actually along the way take a lot from them um
1: it's impressive
0: and the fact that that was the thing that he was thinking about was the fact that there would never be this sort of like promised you know vision you know there's like no utopia there's no there's no gold at the end of the rainbow for all of these people um i just think that to keep fighting for that reason is a very noble one out of the out of a conviction that groups like that and the things that they want to do to people or, or offer people come at this big cost and to try and be a force in stopping that um
1: i think that's a very important and noble cause
0: yeah and so that's mostly it paul Morantz is my new hero now um he I, I really do recommend reading that article uh the man who fought the synodon cult and won uh it's really interesting. It offers a lot of details I didn't present here um
1: and again, that was Gizmodo,
0: yeah, it's a gizmodo article. I think it's one of their sub sites, but I can't remember what the
1: they've got so many
0: yeah, right, it's one of those um but that is the beginning middle, and end of uh of
1: uh it was definitely Jezebel right
0: no, it's definitely it was that it was that, it that sub
1: site oh no, oh okay. But that's Synanon.
0: And actually, there's one thing I really should have followed up on and didn't. This is a little bit of a throwaway. Synanon doesn't exist anymore, but there might be a group still operating in Germany, just like one little group of people. It's It's always Germany. (laughs) I don't know. It's
1: always Germany where there's like little offshoot groups that are like, no, we're fine. Yeah,
0: it's like, the, whatever they are is certainly not this. And they're probably, they're probably just, you know, people having meetings and talking about stuff. I don't know. But I don't I didn't look into it. So that might be one to follow up on, on the last remaining branch of Synodon, which has no support anymore. Might hmm. just be one guy.
1: Could be. It's probably just one guy. But we've seen the damage that one guy with some big ideas can do.
0: Yeah, this story is or this, you know, this that little detail is like, you know at the end of the horror movie where everyone walks away and the villain's dead and then they open their eyes and it's like, "Oh, he's not really dead." <laughs>
1: this this story could have been a heartwarming tale of one <laughs> dude who beat his addiction, so to speak. Yeah. And rose above it, became a motivational speaker and Helped other people. Yeah, the way he was helped and yep, boosted people up, and it became something so much different and yeah. so much more insidious.
0: I didn't even mention some of the other like subtle things about like what Synanon made its members do, like things like like forcing women to shave their heads or like forced sterility in men.
1: It's all power control and manipulation. Yeah, you don't even have to mention details. I, I power like, control and manipulation. I, feel like I should
0: have mentioned it because like they would force people to have abortions or like vasectomies or shit like that like yeah there's specifics i glossed over them i probably shouldn't have but like know that the abuse was very real
1: yeah is um, this is not like this is cult behavior through and through and this is not something unique yeah. to this group scientology has forced people to get abortions sure like it it's real messed up and it's not good and Clearly very, very abusive things are happening in there. So I'm yeah. glad they're not functioning anymore, except for maybe that small chapter in Germany. So
0: <laughs> fortunately, while they were evil, they were also stupid. Yes. And stupid loses.
1: The best <laughs> and scariest kind of evil, actually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. But that's that. That's Cynodon. I'm very glad they don't exist. Um I uh I I picked up a new hero along this way here. And, yeah. Uh, Bravo. Uh, So,
1: anyway. I want to mention someone briefly because I I would like to look into him further and and maybe make him a topic because I think you'll also really like him. Um, He reminds me a lot of Paul Morant, some of the things you were talking about. But he Mm. is, um, he's kind of, this is not the term he uses, but he's basically like a cult deprogrammer now.
2: Oh
0: okay, um, is he one of the dudes from the the surviving Scientology thing?
1: uh I don't know if he's been interviewed by them or not, but he is uh he has been interviewed by other people who are no longer in Scientology
2: mm-hmm.
1: but are like against Scientology um he was in the moonies,
2: oh okay, and
1: eventually got out and became like i don't know he's like therapist or exactly what his title is but he used to have a website and he might I, he probably still does i just have to find it he had like alphabetically like a, a glossary on cults like mm-hmm. all the cults in america and not even just like legitimate cults like any group that's been accused of being a cult and like all the information about like why people think they're a cult yeah alcoholics anonymous was on there because oh, yeah. there are people who have lobbied those ideas about Alcoholics Anonymous. So who is the guy? I have forget we... his name. <laughs> I was gonna say we've we've been talking about him for
0: like a minute and a half, and I don't know I what his name his is. I forget his name
1: and I'm I'm gonna look it up. I don't have my phone down here, so I can't look it up That's right okay. now. But um he is also just one of these people who was passionate because this is something that happened to him and he sees other people being hurt by yeah. these groups. And he goes after them and he helps people get out of those groups. And he had that website about with all of this great information. Yeah. So he's someone else I want to uh, look into further. And he will probably also be your hero.
0: I love people like this. I just love people who, you know, stick their neck out, especially against intimidating groups uh, at the the risk to their own health.
1: You know, we've never done an episode on Scientology.
0: No, but, you know, that's probably fine. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I was gonna say maybe, maybe we should
0: not necessarily sure what to draw their specific ire, although we probably should.
1: I don't think we would. Yeah. If Ona, Ross, and Carrie can do an episode where they go into Scientology yeah, right. and they don't draw a direct attack, I think we'd be okay.
0: Uh but anyway, that's this episode of Goose Chase.
1: Alright.
0: Um, so thank you for listening. Um hey,
1: that was really interesting. I yeah, really appreciated
0: it yeah i I appreciated it too honestly i I appreciated reading about it i think uh I think I developed a i think I developed a new fascination with sort of these heroic types who, kind of like Vincent bugliosi or whatever however you say his name the guy that prosecuted Manson yeah like there's just people like this that just like go to bat mm-hmm. so this was edifying for me
1: yeah. I'm glad I happened to cross it, and if someone suggested this and I'm just, like, now taking the credit for it, let me know, and I'll correct that. But in any
0: case, uh, continue to send us your suggestions at uh, goosechasepodcast at gmail.com.
1: I promise I'll try not to claim them as my own.
0: Uh, and we will see you next week with another episode of Goose Chase.
1: Goose Chase.
0: Thank you for listening.
1: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Goose Chase. We are Goose Chase Podcast on Facebook and Twitter. On Twitter, our handle is at Goose Chase Pod, And our website is www.goosechasepodcast.com.
0: If you have any topics you'd like us to research, please email us at goosechasepodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you like what we do on the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Google Play.
1: Want to go on a goose chase?
2: Ooh, yes.